Welcome into another Baseball America Team Top 10 Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're here to break down the Yankees farm system today. We're going to talk about why Anthony Volpe is number one and what makes him so special. We're going to get an update on Jason Dominguez and where he stands in his progression. And also look at some sleepers in the Yankees farm system. They always have some guys who uh, pop up and certainly, especially in Latin America, they have a, a pretty long track record of developing international prospects very well. To do all that, I am joined by Josh Norris, who does the Yankees farm system for us for the Prospect Handbook. Josh, thank you for joining me. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well out here on the East Coast and uh, ready to talk about some Yankees. Yeah, absolutely. You've done this farm system for many, many years now. How many years has it actually been? You've been doing this for a this very long time. Friend, I believe for the for Baseball America, and I came from a paper in New Jersey where I covered the Yankees double-A team uh, for six seasons, five, six seasons. Um, so I wasn't covering them in terms of prospects, but I was certainly familiar. I mean, um, you know, Banuelos and Brackman and Batances, all those guys came through. I just missed Oh, Jesus Montero. I just missed um, Gary Sanchez. Uh, Hector Noesi came through there. Uh, all sorts of guys came through. Ballyhooed Yankees came through there. But, you know, if if you were covering the team, it didn't matter if, you know, Johnny Org guy uh, was the star. That's who you were writing about, up about that night. So I've been dealing Unless with this for about 15 years now. Yeah, I was going to say, nonetheless, you've seen a lot of the top guys coming through in some form or fashion for 15 years. So you have really good perspective on this farm system. When you look at this Yankee system right now compared to other Yankee systems of the years past, how does this one stack up? Where Where is this farm system generally? It's a pretty good system. I think it's, you know, 55-ish level system. They've got some really good guys at the top. I mean, Volpe and Peraza are, uh, you know, one and two pretty easily. There's You could have a discussion at number two. Uh, but I think Volpe was pretty clearly the number one. He's, you know, he ended last year in AAA. He had a really good year after April when he could start feeling his hands again in uh, Trenton, uh, Trenton, Somerset. Wow, there's a there's a, a flashback for you at Double A, um, and he's got a really good mix of hitability, power. He can stay up the middle. There's questions about whether it's shortstop or not. Um, and the makeup is really good. Like he's the, this is a player who wants to really wants to be that guy. So he was a pretty easy call at number one. But you know, it's, there's I think we had five top 100 guys in there uh, with Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez, Pereira, and Wells. It's pretty darn good. And there's a little bit of a and there's one guy knocking on the door, Spencer Jones. There's a little bit of a drop off after that. And there's some guys who could pop up this year. But you know, it's it's a pretty darn good system. It's not you know elite, but it's pretty good. Yeah, and it's important to note that the Yankees aren't a team that needs a huge wave of prospects to all of a sudden become competitive. This is a team that won 99 games last year, won the AL East, reached the ALCS, and a lot of that was Aaron Judge's heroics and just a, a remarkable season, a season that earned him the uh, BA Player of the Year award as well as American League MVP and just a, a fantastic season all around. But this is a team that certainly has holes, but it's not like you're waiting for, oh gosh, they need, you know, three or four arms and four or five position players to all hit and probably more than that. This is a team that while you mentioned this Yankee system isn't particularly deep, if these top five or six guys hit, or even if, you know, two thirds of them do four of the six, let's say that's okay. That's really all this Yankees team needs. So it seems like it's a farm system 
that matches up really well with the big league team and, and what it kind of needs in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys up the middle, like I said, Volpe and Peraza. Peraza was on the playoff roster last year. He got some time. Um, he doesn't count anymore, but Oswaldo Cabrera came up and you know did some things, had some some nice moments, um, and could be a pretty good kind of a super utility guy. Um, but I think if you're talking about what the system is going to be used for, it's going to be used for trades. Like that's what they do. They're, they've developed a lot. They haven't placed a whole lot of guys on their big league roster, but they've traded a boatload of players to get your Frankie Montas's, your Joey Gallo's, your, uh, who else did they add last year? I'm blanking on who else they had last year, but they trade these guys all the time. Oh, um, Lou Trevino in that same deal. Uh, so they always have a steady stream of guys that they can trade to get guys. It's just, they don't often land on the big league roster. Uh, so some of these guys I expect will find other homes uh, at some point, either you know, probably mid-season-ish. Yeah, there's a long list of former Yankees prospects who were used in trades and are now donning other major league rosters. Uh, but one guy, Josh, that I think it would certainly be surprising to see the Yankees trade is Anthony Volpe. The Yankees have had a lot of problems at shortstop in recent years. Glaber Torres was not a shortstop. That was made very, very, very clear. Uh, the Yankees tried to force it. It didn't work out well. They acquired Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from the Rangers. Again, he had played some short, was primarily a third baseman, made him their shortstop. That also did not work out well. Um, it's been a rough couple of years for the Yankees trying to find a true shortstop. You mentioned they brought up Oswaldo Peraza. He's uh, a really, really talented defender. But I think, you know, the option that everyone would love to see happen would be if Anthony Volpe could become their everyday shortstop. How realistic is that? You, you talk about some of Volpe's strengths, but the main question is, is he the Yankees shortstop of the future? You know, I've talked to some guys and there's, and I'm not going to give too many clues here. I talked to a former big league shortstop about that. and he was pretty confident that he could be, that Anthony Volpe could be a big league shortstop. It wasn't, you know, he's not going to be Andrelton Simmons or anything like that, but he can play the position. The biggest question is, is arm strength. And he's, it's not like, you know, he's got a pop gun out there, but it's not, you know, a hand cannon either. He's, he's got enough arm for the position and he makes up for it a little bit with quicks and quick releases and instincts and all stuff like that. Um, so he can play it. He's not going to be. I mean, he's not. He's not as gifted a defender as Peraza is. Um, and I think ideally, if you're if you're taking the the temperature of Yankees fans, it might be that those two guys cement themselves in the middle, where you have Peraza and Volpe at second and short. Regardless, I mean, they're going to have them both up there. I don't think anybody really in the fan base really cares who plays what side of the second base. So those guys are are I assume the prospects the Yankees fans are looking forward to most this year and Dominguez obviously has a different level of hype um, but that might be a, a year off yeah we'll definitely dive into Dominguez here in a little bit but, but I want to stick on Volpe so he really broke out in a big big way in 2021 coming out of the pandemic again first rounder talented player a lot of people liked but really exceeded any and all expectations with what he showed in 2021 across the Class A levels. Came back this year. The numbers weren't quite as loud. He got off to a very, very slow start to the season, but he made some adjustments, really picked it up, finished the year in AAA as a 21-year-old. So on the one hand, the numbers this past season were not nearly as loud as they were in 2021, but again, showed the ability to make adjustments, got to AAA as a 21-year-old. Where does he stand right now just in terms of how people see him playing out as a big leaguer? I think I just mentioned it, you know, he could be a guy who, you know, hits for a lot of a decent amount of impact, 
he's not going to be, you know, Aaron Judge or anything, but who is. But he's going to provide some average, some power, some some instincts on the bases, whether that's second and short. He's going to be a productive, really good everyday big leaguer. Um, is he a true superstar? I don't know about that. But he's going to be a pretty darn good player. Like I, I, you mentioned, would you trade him? I don't believe in untouchables, but uh, it depends on who's on the table. And there's really nobody on the table that I know of right now that would warrant trading him. I mean, there's certain guys, and I'm sure Yankees fans can connect the dots, who you trade anybody in this farm system three times over for. Um, but as of now, like I would be surprised to see him move for what's publicly out there. Yeah, again, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. He's seen as a guy, he has a chance to be a very good big leaguer. You know, superstar, the next Derek Jeter, no, that's not fair to the no, kid. But, 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 but you will say that, you know, this is a kid who is from – the New York, New Jersey area, you know, he's, he's from New Jersey. So he's a, he's, he's familiar with this. His dad was a big leaguer. His dad was a Yankee. He knows kind of what that comes with it. Everybody who talks about him mentions he's got that kind of it factor where if he gets to the big leagues with New York, he's not going to be phased by the bright lights. This is going to be a guy who's not, it's the stage is not going to be too big for him. He, he seems to want that stage. There's no question he has the it factor. You spend five minutes talking with him, that's very, very apparent. Again, he's going to be a good player and someone who's going to represent the Yankees very, very well, assuming he stays in the Yankees uniform. And like you said, and like I think makes sense when you just look at their team and what they need and what they have, it would make sense for them to keep him, again, barring a trade for someone that's, you know, that upper, upper echelon of big leaguers, and there's not really any of those guys we on all the know table who we're right talking now. About. Hmm? We, we all know who we're talking about. The kind of Who player, that? Like, the uh, the the two way guy in Los Angeles. <laughs> hey, he's in Anaheim. Anaheim is not Los Angeles. Don't let Artie Moreno fool you. Um, but yes, I mean, again, it's 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 for the type of player. I, I do remember last year when Juan Soto was being discussed in trade. Some people on Twitter were saying we're not going to trade Volpe for him. It's like okay, well then you're not getting Juan Soto. I've done a lot of things in this game, and one of them has not been. I've never seen a debt, a deal consummated at a game. I've never seen, you know, guys get yanked and then they got traded. And last year I went to the Somerset Richmond series kind of right, right before the trade deadline, thinking that was going to happen because you got there and you see the scouts in the stands. There's, there's a big hitter from the angels. There's a big hitter from the nationals. There's a big hitter from the tigers. We all know what they were working on. And I absolutely know what they were working on. And then you saw Everson Pereira got pulled. It was like, Oh, is this going to actually happen? No, he got hurt. But the my Twitter mentions went absolutely bananas when I mentioned he got pulled in the seventh inning of whenever one of those games was. So 15 years in, I've still not seen that happen, but I thought I did that day. And the point is, like, they were looking at that guy and they were looking at, you know, uh, Volpe as well. And, and Wells. It was a pretty good team to watch if you were a trade deadline person. I'm glad you mentioned Everson Prayer because I want to kind of move into that. You mentioned Volpe was the clear number one. Peraza was the clear number two. Everson Pereira was someone that a lot of people felt very, very, very good about this year, what he showed them. Uh, he's in our top 100. He initially was not going to be, but he was the guy more than anyone else that most of the front office feedback came back that this guy not only needs to be in your top 100, he needs to be pretty safely in there in the 60s or 70s. A lot of teams I know actually do prefer him to Jason Dominguez. They're three, four, back-to-back -back in your rankings. 
what do you think he's having Everson Pereira and what does he project to be now given the kind of season he just had? Well, he needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay healthy. I made this, uh, I made this stat in one of the chats that we did that he and Ronnie Mauricio were signed in the same international class and Pereira has roughly a thousand fewer plate appearances, uh, than Mauricio just because he cannot, he has, has had trouble staying on the field. Um, what they have is a potential center fielder who can, it's a potential five tool player. There's not a whole lot he can't do, but he needs to, he needs more time to develop. I mean, we've, the Yankees fans have seen that with Esteban Floreal. Like that guy's, you know, it seems like he's been around, he seems like he should be 40 by now, but he's way behind developmentally. And he had, you know, two wrist injuries and then the pandemic. And so you, that's why I kept, that guy, not to digress, but that's why I kept that guy a little higher than probably most are going to have him because, you know, maybe he's not going to be the guy that he was projected to be a couple years ago, maybe two, three, four years ago now, but he still could be a productive big leaguer. And there are guys who say, you know, he could be 10, 12 year big leaguer who really shines defensively. And he did have a great year last year, maybe, maybe more of a platoon outfielder at this point, but he's, they might have a better big league future than a lot of guys at the back of this list. But back to Pereira, I think he should hire me to follow him around because I think I've seen him hit eight home runs. Um, it's kind of nuts. Like whenever I see him, I've seen him a three home run game from him. I've seen a two home run game from him. That'll happen a lot when you're at Greensboro. That ballpark is very small, but he's gone off in that park. Um, and he's, he's really talented. And, you know, you mentioned some guys who have some orgs who might have them flopped. And I think that's about right. I mean, that could ha- that could be true. Might maybe a three, three, uh, three and three A scenario. I know toward the beginning of last year, you know, teams just uh, a couple scouts I trust were saying this guy might be the real deal, and it's just you know he's, he scuffled a little bit if I remember correctly in Double A, and then got hurt. You know, so I, I picked Dominguez over him. There's a, a switch hitting aspect to it. Um, he did, and Dominguez for all the hype. He did have a pretty darn good season, you know, especially that last week of the, uh, not the regular season, the regular season, he struggled in uh, Somerset. The playoffs, however, did pretty darn well. <laughs> yeah, again, these are two talented outfielders. And you mentioned Pereira staying healthy. He had never played more than 49 games in a season before this year. He played 102 games this year. And look, when he's been on the field, he's impressed. Even when you go back to 2021, he only played in 49 games hit 300 with 20 homers and 57 RBIs. In 49 games, he did that. So the talent was there. And this year, again, not a full season, but playing 102 games, got more than 400 plate appearances, and, and again, produced hit for average, got on base, hit for power. And the other thing, too, is you see the speed element. It's a lot of extra base hits. It's really, you know, it's double digits all the way around. You add in 21 steals. It's a really well-rounded player. And you're right. It feels like he's been around forever. He's 21. He's still 21. He hasn't turned 22 until April of this year. And he got to double A last year. And that's where sometimes, you know, a time warp can happen sometimes with these international guys who sign at 16. They feel like they've been around forever and people lose patience. It's like, no, this guy is just now getting to the time where maybe he's really starting to figure it out. And uh, Pereira does seem like a kind of guy that, you know, could jump over some maybe more famous names. If Anthony Volpe graduates, he, he could end up being one of the better players in this farm system, if not the best. Yeah, I mean, Volpe and him are 18 days apart, uh, birth-wise. So, you know, one seems way newer than the other, but that's only because of their their uh, methods of entry into the system. 
Josh, you mentioned Jason Dominguez, who you do have number three slotted ahead of Everson Pereira. Again, we've talked about it ad nauseum, you know, the enormous hype coming out that wasn't really fair to him. And he showed up and showed some good things. Very clearly was not the next Mickey Mantle or the Martian, so to speak. But again, young player showed some good things, handled the scrutiny remarkably well. In this past year, we saw, again, the talent really start to come out a little bit, made the futures game, got up to double A as a 19-year-old, really took some nice strides forward in a lot of ways. What's the outlook for Jason Dominguez now? How do evaluators see him? How do the Yankees see him? I mean, they see him as a really, a really good potential big leaguer. I mean, I, I think even internally, they're not, they're not going to say on the record that he's, you know, the Martian. I think they even, even they think that the hype is a little hot on that because how could it not be? You know, when the player that he'd been described as doesn't exist, it doesn't. It, it's not. It would be the player that he's been hyped as sometimes would be the best player in big league history by a wide margin. So that's not him, but what he's going to be is a really good outfielder. I don't know whether it's in center or it's in right field for a while. You know, I, I think there was no question that Volpe was ahead of him. Um, We'll see how it goes this year, but you know, I've personally seen him in the fall league and he had a rough fall league. He's got a good eye. He hits the ball hard. There's still work to do though. He's, it's not going to be the, the the quickest burn in the world. So, you know, it's somewhere between <laughs> what what uh, what the hype was and what the the low end is. I think you got a really good long term big leaguer. Yeah, and he, as you mentioned, there are some rough edges to his game. We even saw it in the futures game where he had the drop in center field that cost his team some runs, but then he came out and hit a big home run. And you see the talent. I think what's interesting is, and we talked about this on the top 100 podcast he's got a really good eye for the strike zone he gets on base this is not a guy who's just this you know physical behemoth but he swings at everything which we see a lot of times Um, this is someone who does have a little bit of that advanced feel in the batter's box he recognizes pitches controls the strike zone and you look at it a lot of doubles good amount of homers he stole 37 bases and 44 attempts he shows you instincts and speed so again you talk about a 19 year old you know athletic outfielder who's you know, hit for average, gets on base, and has the strength to hit the ball at the park, that's a really promising prospect and, and someone who's very clearly a top 100 prospect. And I think it's important now that some of the expectations come down more in line with, hey, this guy's going to be a really good player, and that should never be a disappointment just because he's not, again, the greatest player to ever live. That's not the barometer he should be measured by. Right. I mean, it's, it's an unfair amount of hype, period. That's really, I mean, you know, I don't know any other way to put it. It was, it's an insane amount of hype. I'm generally a person who detests comps in any way, shape or form, certainly publicly, because I don't think they're fair to anybody and nobody wants to hear anything lower than superstar level for anybody. No one said somebody was going to be Aaron Hill. Like they would be mad at that comp, but that's a digression. Point is Jason Dominguez clearly in the upper echelon of this system has a really bright future ahead of him. Absolutely. All right, Josh, we're going to take a quick break and dive into the back half of this top 10 and the beyond in the Yankees farm system. Uh, keep it here for more from Baseball America. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Baseball America Team Top 10 Prospects Podcast for the New York Yankees. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris. All right, Josh, we talked about the top half of this farm system, Anthony Volpe, Jason Dominguez, some of the big names who, for the most part, performed pretty well last year, either entirely in the upper levels or got to the upper levels. The back half of the system does have some interesting players in it. Again, this isn't the deepest farm system. It's certainly a little more top-heavy. But there are some interesting players here, and I want to start with Spencer Jones, who was their first-round pick this year out of Vanderbilt. Uh, just physically always been impressive. I saw him at La Costa Canyon High School. He was pitching at that time, but he was also just a guy you saw the way he moved, a guy that big to be that fast, move that well, be that athletic. He was really, really promising, um, had an injury, became a position player only, and it's kind of a, a bit of a freak in some ways, like I mentioned in terms of the speed, the strength, and the size had a really good year at Vanderbilt, and he's someone that a lot of people think has a chance to be a fast riser. Uh, what were the initial impressions of Spencer Jones, and what makes him so promising? Well, I mean, you mentioned, you put it in a, in a more crude term. You said he's a freak. I, I think the industry prefers the term outlier, um, and I think that's the name of the game here, is searching for outliers wherever you can find them. Um, also, left-handed power for the Yankee Stadium doesn't hurt. And he's a guy who's going to provide that in spades. You know, he's a big boy with a big swing, produces big exit velocities, and can hit the ball very, very, very far. Um, you know, that's it, it's a really interesting skill set. There's, you know, there's they're going to have to work a little bit with him to close some holes. But scouts who saw him in his brief pro debut said that he already started to make those adjustments. That he closed a little bit of holes that are come naturally with being that tall and that long. So. They they believe there's a potential for plus hit, plus power, you know, athletic outfielder, all that good stuff. Um, he was very close to the top 100, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to uh, Hudson Valley this year and tears it up and then gets to Somerset by season's end and gets the real test that is double A. Um, he could be a quick quicker mover just because he's got the, you know, uh, SEC Vanderbilt pedigree uh, built right in there to be a guy who's probably more advanced than uh, the South Atlantic league, or we'll see if he's as advanced as the Eastern league, really interesting prospect. Pretty, you know, he could have made the top five. Um, you know, good, good pick there. I think he, they were connected to him for a long time and he kind of fits the mold of what they were looking for. And I'll kind of take a digression here for a second. 
he only got one at bat, but they also picked Anthony Hall in the draft out of uh, out of my alma mater, Oregon. Uh, no bias here, but he also provides the same kind of skill set. Uh, big boy with big left-handed power. That was a very clear theme at the top of that draft was lefty power, and they got two of the better lefty power brokers in the draft. That actually brings me to something I want to kind of dive into here, Josh. We've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. The Yankees actually have a pretty horrible track record of drafting, at least when you look at their first round picks. Aaron Judge is obviously a huge, huge, huge hit. And he's pretty much been the only guy who's worked out in really the last 15 years. Um, really, you go back to Ian Kennedy, 2006, Jabba Chamberlain was a supplemental pick that year. That was good. But 2007, pretty much all the way to present, it's been a pretty horrendous run of draft picks aside from Aaron Judge, who's obviously a huge, huge, huge hit. But it does seem like their most recent picks, they're showing a little more promise. You look at Anthony Volpe, you look at Austin Wells. Trey Sweeney has has certainly not been impressive early in his career. A lot of people felt he was one of the worst players they saw this past year in the minors. But you look at Spencer Jones off to a good start, and it seems like, again, what will ultimately determine if these are good picks or not is what they do in the major leagues. But three of their last four picks are all in the top six of their system. They all get good reviews. Have the Yankees fixed something within their draft apparatus? Because it was really bad for a very long time. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not – it's a bad answer, but I'm not privy to their processes. They are pretty, uh, understandably, a uh, closed door organi- organization when it, when it comes to that. I know they've had a very similar, just from doing the directory for all these many years, a very similar group of pro scouts and pro scouting people in place for a while. Player development has changed a bit. You know, uh, it's not a surprise that in the last two or three years, there's been a lot of guys who found a lot of power, like Oswaldo Cabrera, we mentioned earlier. Power was not his game uh, until fairly recently. And then he came out and crushed. Hoy Park was a guy who did not have a whole lot of power and came out and crushed. And side note here, when he got traded, it as it was as if they had, you know, taken pinstripes off their uniforms. Like the uproar was insane when that young man got traded. But he developed power. And uh, Diego Castillo, same idea. They got power out of him. They've been doing a really good job at getting the the most out of their offensive prospects lately, and it's not a coincidence, I don't think. You know, they're, the proof is in the pudding. You mentioned that you know a lot of guys they don't have a lot of guys from their drafts on their big league roster. But like I said earlier, they've traded a lot of them and turned them into good players. Like Blake Rutherford wasn't a great pick, but you know what? He turned into some pretty good uh, some pretty good trade pieces. Um, Glenn Otto was another one, not exactly super high profile uh, guy who got dealt and was uh, turned into Gallo. Um, and I think one other guy, one other really uh, and was created for Sonny Gray. Obviously, Gray was not what the Yankees hoped he'd be. But yeah, and that's one thing we have talked about is the Yankees pro scouts have done a good job identifying, OK, the guys we drafted aren't actually that good. Let's see if we can flip them for better big leaguers. And they've done that. But we'll see again. There's a long progression here based on that, what, what you just said. This is this doesn't apply just to the Yankees. I think the most important scouting you can do is self-scouting. That's yeah. why I think right now the biggest acquisition the Yankees made this offseason are, are Omar Manaya and Brian Sabian. Two guys who can come in, like Kevin Towers, rest in peace, uh, did a few years back, come back, come in, take a look at the system and say, you know, this from from people who don't have history with the Yankees, although I mean Brian Sabian does, but it's you know, when I was in when diapers. Um you can come in and say objectively, this is what you have. Yeah. And 
we have no biases here. We haven't been a part of the system in a long time. These guys are good. These guys are not as good. These are the guys you should keep. These are the guys who you should trade. I think every team would be well served to have someone like that or someone's like that to come in and kind of audit their system every so often. And, you know, picking Omar Manaya, who was our trailblazer of the year this year, and Brian Sabian, whose reputation precedes him, I think that's going to serve them really well uh, in the next couple of years, depending on how long they stay on with the Yankees. If it's just one-year gigs for both or two years or what have you. Those guys have a lot of experience and some really good eyes, and I think they're going to pair really well with the executives they currently have in place, guys like Tim Nairing and Kevin Reese and all those guys up at the top who can really give you the no BS opinion of what they have and what they don't have and what they need. Yeah, there's no question about it. Hiring veteran baseball people is always a good move. And um, again, the early reviews are the Yankees' recent draft picks have been better than they were for a decade. So we'll see if they're able to continue on that track they're on and turn into the impact big leaguers that every team could use. Josh, one of the things that does stand out to me about this system is their top six prospects are all position players. You don't really start getting into any pitchers until the back half of this top 10. Will Warren uh, is who you have as their top pitching prospect in the system. Why is that? What stands out about Will Warren? And and overall, how do you assess the state of the arms in the Yankees farm system right now? Well, they dealt a whole lot of them (laughs) at the trade deadline. They dealt Hayden Wesneski. They dealt um, Luis Medina. They dealt Ken Waldachuk. Like we said earlier, they deal their guys. They did some really good drafting with Hayden Wesneski and Ken Waldachuk signing with... uh, with Medina, you know, those guys all have upside. Two of them are big leaguers already. Um, but yeah, there was kind of a combination of what was left. Will Warren's an interesting guy. We talked about how well they develop power. They also develop velocity really well. And you, if you watch enough of their pitchers, you can see there's a pretty good pattern of what they like. And that is velocity and the East West movement profile. Like I have a video somewhere on my Twitter of Will Warren's two-seamer and slider and the way they kind of butterfly off each other, dovetail, whatever you want to call it, off of each other. It's clear that they're playing the East and West game with him, and he's really nasty uh, in that regard. He presented the the best combination of you know uh, proximity and stuff. I mean, does he have the highest upside of anybody, uh, any arm in the system? No, but he might be the closest to being a Yankee, at least as a starter. And I, I went one one more down, Drew Thorpe. Like, you've seen Drew Thorpe. He doesn't throw the hardest in the world. But when you pair him with guys like they have, uh, developers, that is, I bet you they will find something in the way he moves and the way his arms work and the way his pitches are designed that he will jump three, four, five miles an hour out to shoot because there are guys like that every year in this system. Who do, Garrett Whitlock was a perfect example before he got hurt and then traded, or uh, Rule 5. He was a guy who was not off the radar, but not like, you know, at the front of the radar, if there's such a thing as the front of a radar. Um, but when he came back, he was, you know, firing bullets. He was you know, 98 with, a, with some nasty off-speed stuff. Uh, I remember they were teaching him a changeup at the time. Uh, you know, they're... they're good for one or two of those guys every year they just come out of nowhere and really just take huge velocity jumps and i wouldn't be surprised if the scouting and player development groups work together 
and said, this guy has the, uh, you know, the, the recipe that we look for. He comes out looking a lot different. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no question. And it's funny you bring up Drew Thorpe. I mean, that was the big thing with him is he commands the baseball. He's got a great changeup. He's shown the ability to get to 95. He's, you know, good, big, strong body. It's just a lot of 90, 92 because he's so breaking ball and change up heavy. Can you get him throwing his fastball a little more and maybe get some of the arm speed in there and then he'll get up to 95. And you're right. The Yankees are probably an organization that that's a really good fit for. Josh, that's, this top that's the game right now is I think you've seen it every so often. It's, we'll call it the George Kirby plan. Take a guy with command and develop velocity. And I mean, George Kirby is obviously the you know one percent result. Um, I'll I'll be transparent here. A couple of years ago, when we did our top one fifties, uh, I put Mike, Michael McGreevy somewhere on there because I thought, okay, this is what we're doing now. We're taking guys who can throw it into a thimble, and they might not be able to break a pane of glass, but you can teach velocity now, which just was not a truism uh, five ten years ago. Back when I started doing this, it was you know you either have velocity or you don't. Well now. You know any number of uh, off-site training facilities and in and, and development staffs can help you develop velocity. We've seen it throughout the organization, uh, throughout the the sport. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the guy that that's kind of the the, the blueprint they were targeting with Drew Thorpe. Josh, this top ten as we talked about, really really clear top six or so. How many guys would you say were clear-cut top 10 prospects in the system, and how many guys overall would you say were in the mix to be in the top 10? Uh, I could probably go about to about, about 12, maybe 13. If Arias had been health, Roderick Arias had been healthier, I think he would have had a case. Um, Luis Heal, well, I, I would say if he had a better year, he would, be, he would graduate if he hadn't had, if he had a better year. Um, Luis Serna, I thought it might have been a little hot for him at 10. Like I said, I wasn't in love with Esteban Floriel at 10, but I have some guys that I really trust outside of that organization who think uh, really highly of him. And I heard enough of it to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to throw this dart. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I mean, <laughs> truth serum here. Sometimes there's a lot of dart throwing involved in uh, the back of this list. I, I you know, Sometimes there's a lot of very similar players and you just have to pick the ones you like. Um, but yeah, I think it's about about stops at the Arius line with, uh, and that's number 13 for guys who are in the top 10. Who were some sleepers beyond this group that maybe you think could take a jump next year into this top 10? Cause every year, every organization has guys who take a jump, but we've talked about, this is an organization in particular that always has a really good group of Latin American players who one or two of them takes a jump. They're in here. Um, you mentioned their ability to develop velocity, their ability to uh, develop power, you know, all things where if something clicks, a guy can really, really skyrocket. Who are some guys lower in the system you would call sleepers? Well, I was going to say Serna, but he kind of, uh, awoke last year and he's he's a really interesting guy he's a smaller guy but he commands it and he's got extreme pitch ability um he's out of mexico and you know i, I remember texting a couple scouts this year like what do you know about this guy and i got a lot of expletives back because they thought uh it wouldn't be on my radar and they could snag him in trades and no no <laughs> i know who that is um we'll go we'll keep it on the um International side of the ball, they've got a guy named Engelf Urania, who is a catcher, and he he might have some of the best offensive upside in the system. They told me a pretty good story that I you know, fact checked as best I could. Uh, in his first game, in his first at bat, so he's catching in and and top of the inning, 
and he gets his hand hit by a foul ball. And unbeknownst to him, he broke it. He broke the hand. So he comes up in his in the at-bat following that and hits an oppo home run with a broken hand and then leaves the game and is gone for a couple of months. And to say the, the Yankees are um, effusive in their praise of this young man is uh, an understatement. Like, that was the first name off their lips outside of, um, you know, guys like Arias or, or Volpe or, who, you know, guys like that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that guy jumps up up the board this year. Uh, further down the list, uh, we talked about guys who might um, uh, you know develop a little more than a uh, little bit more of a profile than they had coming out of the draft. Tristan Vreeling out of Gonzaga it was a heck of a year for Gonzaga. I think they had four picks in the top 102. Uh, pretty much their entire staff got picked. Um, they really like a right-hander named Omar Gonzalez, who's you know, another, another one thing the Yankees system has had for as long as I can remember is hard throwing right-handers from Latin America. There's one more, um, Angel Benitez, really, really interesting guy. He was a guy that they ID'd to me a couple years ago, uh, in like, just a, a guy to watch. And he came out this year and was really, really good. Unfortunately, he um, had Tommy John surgery, so you know you have to see him for a while. But they do believe a little bit that he might have the highest upside of pitchers in this organization. I really didn't know what to do with him. Like, yeah, high upside, and anybody who knows me knows I I love me some upside. I like ceilings. I don't like floors. Um, but DSL and Tommy John, and the fact that we're not going to see him for a while. So I kind of jammed him in there. I think at 17 or something like that. Uh, 23. You could make a case that he should be higher than that, but it's hard to really say I'm right, right or I'm wrong for a couple of years now. Um, and, you know, I think, let's see, anybody lower than that? They like Gordaline Mendoza a little bit. Um, well, not maybe more than a little bit. Um, and let's see who else here. Um, Jose Panacual is an interesting guy. He's probably a a reliever, but he, I know he was brought up in trade talks at some point. He throws a sinker with the best of them. It's a really long stroke in the delivery. There's not a whole lot of command there yet, but the raw pieces are pretty interesting. And if you give them to a good chef, he might come out with something really good. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of guys to dream on. I'll go back to, you know, the late John Timinia, one of the best scouts I've ever met. And he basically summed up scouting as painting the picture and dreaming. And that's what you have to do sometimes. So you have to put all the, all, or I'll give you another truism. You can give a guy all the tools in the world. Now let's see if he can make a house. You know, <laughs> here, here you go. And there's a lot of guys at the back of this list with a lot of tools. And now it's time to see if they can put together a house with what they've got. Absolutely. We'll see if these guys are able to put it all together, but there's no question there's talent here, uh, especially at the top. You have some really intriguing guys down lower in the farm system. And look again, the Yankees last year were certainly a flawed team. Um, There was not a lot of offensive production outside of Aaron Judge, a lot of injuries, but they still won 99 games. They still won the American League East. They still reached the ALCS. And, uh, you know, we'll see what steps they're able to take moving forward. And how many of these guys are able to help them get back to the World Series where they haven't been since 2009, which for the Yankees is a, a pretty long drought. Josh, any final thoughts as we wrap up here about this farm system, this organization, and what lies ahead? I just look forward to the guy who was number 41 on the list, jumping up and biting me. 
as they do every year. They are they are a very very good organization at turning sleepers into uh, you know pretty darn good prospects. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty good system. It's not you know the Orioles at this point, but it's a pretty good system, and I think Yankees fans will have a lot of fun watching some of these guys um, in the coming years. All right, sounds good, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight about the Yankees as always. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.